What are the top position battles currently going on in Utah spring football? And is Andy Ludwig a top three offensive coordinator in the country? All that and more on today's Locked On Utes. You are Locked On Utes, your daily podcast on the Utah Utes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and thank you for making Lockdown News your first listen every single day. We are available on all platforms, including YouTube. Speaking of YouTube, thank you guys so much for helping us to reach a thousand subscribers. Something I've been talking about for a while. That was my goal when we first took over this channel. Over the past eight months since I've been hosting, we've had over 850 of you guys come along and join us. So thank you again for all of you who continue to just spend. If you even just clicked on a video and said, ah, I don't really like that guy, two dog. Hey, I still appreciate the view you guys gave me. So, but thank you to all of you who clicked that subscribe button and made us not, even if we're not your first listen every day, we appreciate you guys listen to us here at Lockdown News or just listen to me at some point. That means so much to me. So can't thank you guys enough for that. Seriously. Thank you for helping us reach over a thousand subscribers. My name is JT Wistel, former intern inside the University of Utah Athletic Department. On today's show, we're talking about Andy Ludwig. He got some love from Pro Football Focus being named a top three offensive coordinator in the country. Is that fair? We'll also talk about Utah men's basketball and some of the ups and downs of the transfer portal because Utah's lost some players and they've also they just gained one as well. But we got to start with spring football. So at the time you are listening to this tomorrow morning, we will later that day, unless you're listening to this on your way home from work, we will have gotten our first look at our second, excuse me, our second look at the top, the spring ball, Utah football spring ball. So how it works is with the media, the media is allowed to come out there and watch about 20 minutes of practice. So, and from that 20 minutes is where you kind of can set and just get to see everything that kind of goes on and see how it all unfolds and works out. So by this time we will have gotten our second look last week was our first look. And then we also got to talk with all the coaches, players again, and just kind of get a headspace and check in where everyone is at and kind of how everyone's doing right now. And it was really interesting to kind of see that. And after last week and after talking with everyone, I think we can confidently talk about what the top position battles for spring ball is going to be. Now, I think the first one is pretty obvious, right? It's quarterback. When you talk about Nate Johnson versus Brandon Rose and Bryson Barnes lurking in the distance. But as we talked about yesterday with Sammy, the coaches just, they've already said, we know what we have in Bryson, which if you're Bryson, you're like, Hey guys, I, I want to be out there. I want to be competing, but they're just kind of like, ah, oh, we know, we know what you are, Bryson. Like you'll, you'll get your time. We know what those guys have to do to be better than you. So you're, you're already secure. I'm sure Bryson would like to be competing out there and he still gets reps, but the majority of the reps are going to be for Nate Johnson and Brandon Rose is what we learned. And I talked about it already. I think that Nate is going to end up being this Utah team's quarterback. Number two, I think he will end up being out Bryson. I think he will eventually beat out Brandon Rose, but I, I, ex- Look, I think Nate's phenomenal, as I said. I loved what I saw from Nate last week, um, but I was really impressed with Brandon Rose, too, because Brandon Nate I have obviously very high expectations for. He's someone just I've watched and admired, and I'm like, I think this guy's capable of greatness. So seeing him go out there and execute and do really good things on the field, that didn't surprise me. Brandon Rose was a guy I don't know. I still don't know what he's capable of, but I got to tell you, what I saw last week was very impressive. So I think this is going to be one of the top battles in spring ball. I still expect Nate to win it. I just think his dynamic ability and what he can do from inside the pocket and then beating you with his legs is just a little more impressive than what Brandon can do. And I think Brandon is incredibly accurate and I think he can use his legs too, but he's not the athlete that Nate is. And I think when it's all said and done, I think it'll be interesting to see if Nate separates himself as a thrower from Brandon too. Cause as I said, I think both those guys are very accurate throwers. It's just going to be 
who's going to be more accurate when the time comes, whether that's the spring game or in the other key parts of practice, some of which we're going to get to see, some of which the media is not going to get to see. So quarterback battle, obviously the main battle, as just like it was last season. Also, when talking about battles on the offensive side of the ball, got to talk about the offensive line. I said my biggest question going into spring camp is I want to know who this team's starting left tackle is going to be. It would appear that if, let's say, Utah had to play a game tomorrow, that would be Satawa Laumea. It makes sense in terms of, hey, he was this team's right tackle last season. Slide him over to the left side. But he was also the year before that a guard. And I, as I've talked about a little on this channel too, I just pass protection-wise, I think Satawa is good. I don't think he's outstanding. And I think it's a lot different blocking on the right side of the offensive line than it is when you're projecting the blind side, the quarterback. Look, it's the reason they call it the blind side, right? Like you can see the stuff from the right side coming. So you can step up in the pocket. You can evade it easily when it's coming on your left side. You can't see it. That's where you see all those strip sacks and strip fumbles from because quarterbacks are winding up and what happens? They can't see behind. So that's when that arm comes in to knock the ball out and away. So left tackle is extremely important. And I think these reps in spring ball, getting more experience and just to time and reps of the position are going to be great for Satawa. He very well may be ready for it, but he's not going to be the only one. And the right tackle job is still going to be up in the air too. Falcon Kalmatule is currently the one who holds on to that one, just based on what the one offensive line looked like when we were out there last week. But it's going to be interesting to see the other guys. Spencer Fano was already this team's second um, right second string right tackle at the moment. So I am very curious to see how this all ends up shaking out for the offensive line overall and there are other guys who could factor in factor into the offensive line race too i don't think this is just a a couple guys who are really factoring into this i think there are numerous guys as i said that have a shot to be able to compete and uh and get after it overall without a guy like a zero williams i think he's someone who could end up factoring into that left tackle spot and i'm really interested to see the tackle position how it gets resolved and we're gonna talk about center is the kind of the next one i'm looking at but excuse me i still think there's a chance that jaron Cump ends up being the guy who ends up going back out to tackle. And look, I think they want him to work at center right now. It makes a lot of sense. But you also got Johnny Maia at center, Cole Fanu, Fanu, excuse me if I mispronounced that name, but um, just a lot of guys at center too where you feel like, especially a guy like Maia, I feel good about my, I feel better about Maia right now than I do about if Satawa slides over. It's just more of an unproven tackle. I think, as I said, I think Falcon Kalmatula can be special, but Jaron's a guy with more playing and game experience. So that's where it's going to be interesting to see how the coaches view everything there. But either way, the offensive line is a huge question. And one that let's just, if Cam is ready to go by the first game, there's no drama. He's going to be this team's starting quarterback. There's still a lot of drama about how this offensive line is going to shape out. And look, I know I played offensive line, but it's the most important position on the field. Everything happens. It all starts with the offensive line. Literally, they have to snap the ball to get to the quarterback. And then they're the ones that protect and give the playmakers time. You can't have a good rushing attack without a good offensive line. Open it up. Can't have a great passing attack without that offensive line not giving the receivers time to get their routes around open and giving the quarterback time to make the correct read. So it all starts up front and it'll be interesting to see how it goes for Utah there. A couple of the other battles I'm more interested in, I should say like defensively, there there's not much to me. And look, I know a lot's been made of the whole safety thing and we'll talk about it a lot on this show, but there's not a lot of drama. I mean, it's going to be a combination of Cole Bishop, Sione Vaki, and Nate Ritchie when he's back up to speed. And I don't have any doubts about that. I think any drama for the linebackers looking down there is going to be once Leovani Damuni gets on this roster, because right now it's pretty clearly Karene Reed, Lander Barton, of course, and then Justin Medlock has obviously separated himself as the third guy with all the reps he was getting last week. So I thought last week kind of defeated any drama we had around the linebacker position for the time being. That'll pick up again come the come fall camp. But right now, just not a lot of drama to go around with that position. Looking elsewhere on the defensive line, not a lot of drama. All the main guys who played are back. I think maybe 
Like I expect once Van Fillinger gets back up to full health and with how Jonas Ellis looked last year, I still think those would be the one and two guys. And I would be surprised if we do see someone like a Connor O'Toole like pass them. And I think Connor O'Toole is going to be a very talented pass rusher for this team. It's still someone who's used Keeley, just like Chase Kennedy will be making some plays. But once again, I don't expect those guys to start. Same thing for the combination of Samote Peppa, Lucky Vaimahi, a junior Tafuna. I still expect it to be junior and one of Peppa or Vaimahi, but they're all going to play so much. It doesn't really matter. And then you look at the outside and the corner spots. That one's slightly interesting, but not right now a ton because Zamayvon, JT Braun, your two starting corners. But I'm much more interested when we see three corners needed on the field. Who's going to be the next guy up? And I think Miles Battle, as I said, I thought he was a winner on yesterday's show. And I was talking about winners from Fungball last week, just in terms of that physical profile. I think he's someone who's really going to get in there. And it's going to be fascinating to see how much Sione Vaki's using the slot. Do they want someone like Miles Battle coming in, maybe trying to lock it down when teams go three when teams go three wide, as as most teams do at this point now, or you know, sometimes teams even go four four wide, obviously. So it's that's where it's going to be really curious to see how Miles Battle, Fabian Marks, and of course we'll get this what is another one that's going to be more interesting come springtime to me or fall camp, excuse me, because that's when you're going to have the rest of these guys like a Smith Snowden coming in, like a CJ Blocker coming in. So a cornerback's another one to keep an eye on as Miles Battle kind of a sleeper to unseat one of Zamaya or JT Broughton, even though I don't really see it happening. But I think Miles is just one of those guys where it might be like, hey, I demand reps and we're going to see him a lot on the field. Last one's kind of interesting is obviously, look, Devon Vele's looked incredible. Money Parks, we know what he can do. Those are the top two receivers on this team. And then Makai Cope feels like the third guy right now, just talking to everyone. But look, whenever Mikey Matthews is garnering comparisons from Kyle Whittingham of shades of Britton Covey or whatever the exact quote was that uh, was extracted last week by the media, I... I think that definitely bodes well for Mikey Matthews, and I'm very interested to see how his the rest of spring ball plays out for him. He was the guy I got to spoke with last week, and he's a great dude. Everyone raves about him. You can see why they're spending 30 seconds talking to him, why everyone likes this dude, and uh, he's not someone I would bet against. So I think it would be interesting to see if by the end of spring camp we start to talk about him. Mikey Matthews emerges this team's third receiver, even though he's only a true freshman, which would be insane. But we also saw Clark Phillips start on the outside as only a true freshman. And, you know, what a legendary career he ended up having at Utah. So that's going to be a fascinating one to watch. And look, there's tons of other storylines too. look running backs, guys getting more reps. How is that going to shake out? How are the rest of the tight end depth going to all look with Mickey Sukaturaga now in the fold? Each position has questions, but to me, quarterback and offensive line got to be backup quarterback and then offensive line, the two biggest with wide receiver and corner, kind of the sleeper ones. And I'm keeping an eye on as the rest of spring ball plays out in terms of the top position battles. We're going to come back in a moment and talk about Andy Ludwig and if he's a top three offensive coordinator because PFF thinks so. We're going to touch on that in a moment. But first, I want to talk to you guys about our friends at FanDuel Sportsbook. The tournament is heating up, and there is no better place to get in on the action than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. That's because new customers, that's because right now FanDuel is giving new customers a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's up to $1,000 back in bonus bets. If your first bet doesn't win, just go to fanduel.com slash locked on and sign up today to claim your no sweat first bet. Then you can wager on everything from the money line to the point spread to which team will be cutting down the net. All on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. So don't miss your shot in a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. March Madness is coming up. It all ends here for the men's and women's Final Four, both of which will take place in Texas. The men's in Houston, the women's in Dallas. It's a bummer. The Utes couldn't make it to the women's one, but still a lot of great teams and a lot of great action. This is what it's all about. The Final Four is what everyone plays for all year, and it's a great place to go and bet on it at FanDuel. Make every moment matter more with FanDuel. 
All righty, coming back into this one. Now let's talk some Andy Ludwig. I thought we were done talking to Andy Ludwig a little bit. He took all the Notre, put all the Notre Dame stuff to bed. We thought it'd be kind of a low-key. Andy Ludwig is a low-key guy. I don't think he loves all the headlines and everything about him, but obviously had that whole thing back and forth with Notre Dame. They even got him photographed with Marcus Freeman at a hockey game, so obviously that's going to make headlines. And look, he just said he wants to finish career with Kyle Whittingham here in Utah, and I have no doubt that that's not going to happen, but... I, I do think it's going to be really exciting to see how it all plays out in terms of what can Andy Ludwig do over the next few seasons because he's already done some great things. This comes to us from our friends at Deseret News. In the last two seasons, Ludwig has had a top 15 offense scoring 36.1 points per game in 2021 and 38.6 points per game in 2022 with Cameron rising at quarterback. Utah's embraced the passing game more under Ludwig. Utah's offense is also known for its tight and heavy sets and being able to successfully run the football. But that was the thing I mainly wanted to focus on was the top 15 offense in back-to-back years. And that's with obviously a lot of changes. You had to rearrange your tackle situation in 2021. This year, Tavion Thomas, Brent Keith, he's supposed to be huge parts of the offense, obviously for very different reasons, but both those guys weren't really able to factor into the season. For And then you have to change and rework things on the fly. So is Andy Ludwig a top three OC in the country? I think so, based on what he's done the last couple of years too. And I think like, I, the other thing that does make this list interesting to me is like someone like for, if you're looking at who were the best offensive coordinators from last year, well, it's hard to say Andy Ludwig was a top three OC last year when you do have a guy like Bill O'Brien and some of the other top offensive coordinator candidates, they end up getting head coaching jobs. But I do think for what an offensive coordinator is, I think Andy Ludwig's outstanding and absolutely deserves this top three mark. He ended at three. Garrett Riley, who was at TCU last year, now at Clemson, is was number one on the list. And then Ryan or number two and then Ryan Grubb of Washington was number one, which when you look at what Penix and that team did last year, that's absolutely an understandable ranking. So why, what makes Andy Ludwig a top three offensive coordinator? Well, number one, I think it's the bevy of ways he knows how to get the run game going. I think he does a masterful job of using different formations and putting guys in best positions to succeed, whether that was unlocking Tavion Thomas in 2021, whether that was unlocking Jaquindon Jackson last year, whether utilizing Mekhi Bernard in the passing game too. The play-action game is super important to this Utah team's success, and especially their zone blocking too. And it's easy to just say like, oh, we're just going to run zone here, but it's about when you call it, the looks you get, how you prioritize everything. If you guys have ever seen a shot of those coaches, they have those massive like color-coded sheets that have all the different plays and everything on them. Those are the kind of things that Andy Ludwig does such a great job of understanding. It's not like every, it's not like, oh, the, like I said, the first drive is the one that's scripted, right? Like we know that the first drive is usually the one scripted. You might have one in the second half too, but after that, then you have to adjust and see. It's not like the first drive, we're going to do this. So yes, that's scripted. But then the second and third drive, you don't know what you're going to do. You have a bunch of things on that sheet that tell you, okay, if this happens, let's do this. If we get a negative play here, we're going to counter with this. If we get a first down, we're going to go up tempo and do something like that. Like there is a massive sheet that has everything on there. But it's easy to design that sheet. It's a matter of how you use it and how you call the plays in the heat of the moment, how you read and react. It's not just a thing linebackers or just players have to do on the field. It's something an offensive coordinator should do. And Ludwig does it at an extremely high level. That's why Utah's had so much success, averaging over 35 points per game the last two seasons and even look back at 2021, I mentioned some of the changes with unlocking Tavion Thomas. How about unlocking Cam Rising? I mean, Cam was the guy who transferred over from Texas. Obviously, he was a heralded recruit there, but we didn't know what to expect from here. We wanted to see him, but how's he going to be? I don't think anyone thought he would be all of a sudden. This When Utah signed Cam Rising, I don't think anyone was like, this is the guy who's going to take us to back-to-back Pac-12 championship wins and then take us to two straight Rose Bowls. No one thought that. Andy Ludwig helped Cam and Cam, look, Cam's obviously a huge part of that. He worked extremely hard, but Andy Ludwig has helped Cam become the best version of himself. He's helped all these guys who's helped unlock Dalton Kincaid and who's put, also who's done a great job. Andy Ludwig and coach Witt, I think deserve some credit for this too, but like developing, getting a staff that's really strong. Think about how well Jim Harding and Andy Ludwig work well together. 
it's been outstanding. I mean, there's a reason also I look at someone like Chad Bumpus last year. Why is Chad Bumpus no longer with Utah? Because he did such a good job working with Andy Ludwig that he is now gets to go back to Mississippi State, the school he played for, and be their offensive coordinator. So I think when you look at this Utah offensive coordinator and you talk about Andy Ludwig, that he absolutely deserves this top three stop spot. When you look at, and I didn't even mention some of the stuff he does in the passing game, mentioned the play action, but the way he's able to drop different things for Cam Rising, put guys in positions to succeed, whether that's giving Dalton opportunities on the outside, letting him just maximizing, maximizing player skill sets, everything that's happened. Andy Ludwig, and look, as I said, I like Devon Vele, I like Money Parks. I don't think anyone is going to march in and burge, break down the door and be like, those are the best wide receivers in the country. Utah doesn't have, I think Jaquin and Jackson has a chance to be the best running back this season. We thought Tavion was going to be one too, but before Tavion's emergence and what Jaquindon did last year, it wasn't like Utah was getting before that. Look, Jalen Glover is obviously very good. We know what Zach Moss did, and Andy Ludwig helped Zach Moss be the best version of himself. But why do guys want to come and play at Utah? It's because of Andy Ludwig and what he does as the offensive coordinator for this team. He helps unlock those guys, help them be the best versions of themselves. And once again, as I said, all credit to the players for that too, but it's a relationship. You, The players have to buy and work hard and execute, and it's a part of their talent. It's also on the offensive coordinator to maximize those talents, something Andy Ludwig does an exceptional job of. And he absolutely deserves to be at this spot on the top three offensive coordinator for PFF. So hats off to Coach Ludwig. And once again, I think it's absolutely deserved to earn. And let's see how big of a year he can have this year because, look, obviously, whenever you're in the top three, there's a better chance you're going to fall back than go up. But I ain't going to count out Andy Ludwig because I'm not counting out this offense for how they've looked the past few years with all the talented players they have come back, especially with how good Brant Keithy looked against Florida before he got hurt. I cannot wait to see that dude back on the field. And I know Andy Ludwig is already hard at work, scheming things up to get him open and get him opportunities to get the ball. So it's going to be something fun to see, but either way, Utah has a, in a great position to, they average 38.6 points per game. I, I don't see why it wouldn't be and 36 the year before that. I don't see any reason why this offense shouldn't average 35. If cam rising is good to go come game one. And as we talked about in the first segment, I feel good about Nate Johnson or Brandon Rose. If they, and obviously we feel fine about Bryson, if they were to win the job too. So Really exciting stuff here for the Utah football team to have Andy Ludwig. And to start get some recognition, right? That's the thing we're always pounding the table for is we want our guys to get recognized. Hats off to Andy Ludwig for getting recognized as he so well deserves to do because he is a master at crafting a, a great game plan for this Utah offense. So I think back to the Pac-12 championship game too, really quick. The, just the different formations and everything he came out with, the way he uses motion, everything, just all the things he had cooked up for Alex Grinch's defense, which look, I know a lot of people shred Alex Grinch's defense, but it's always hard to score a lot when you're going to a Pac-12 championship game. It's just something that's not supposed to be easy. Same thing the year before when you're taking on a Mario Cristobal Oregon team. And back-to-back -back years, Andy Ludwig and his offenses have showed up in the biggest game. He helped Cam have that monster game against USC. He helped Dalton have that monster game against USC. So all the credit in the world to Andy Ludwig. I think he's an outstanding offensive coordinator and, once again, deserves a spot in the top three. That's going to do it for our football talk today, but we're talking Utah men's basketball transfer portal in a moment. But first, I want to talk to you guys about our friends at UCCU. UCCU opened a brand new branch in Vineyard to celebrate. UCCU is giving away 2023 Kawasaki Tiri times for UTV. The new branch offers all the benefits of a UCCU branch, multiple drive-up lanes, 24-hour ATM, and UCCU's brand new interactive teller machines, or ITM for short, which provide all the benefits, meaning with a real UCCU professional, either in the branch or right from your vehicle. It's a virtual connection or remote teller with a highly personalized audio and video connection. So celebrate with UCCU. Entered away a 2023 Kawasaki Terry. Ter times for UTV. Winners will be announced in April, but the entry deadline is March 31st. Just days left for you to enter to win the 2023 Kawasaki Terry times for UTV. Stop by UCCU's new branch in Vineyard or enter to win at UCCU.com. Hurry, you don't even have to be a member of UCCU to enter, and there is no purchase necessary. UCCU, love where you bank. 
also going to leave our little UCCU graphic up to show how much we love UCCU and to remind you guys about that offer that does end soon. Don't even have to be a member. So once again, make sure you guys head over and join in on that great offer from our friends at UCCU. All right, to close this one out. Let's talk Utah men's basketball, right? March Madness mentioned it's full in effect. We're down to the final four teams. And I think all of us are looking back on the days and like, man, just look how much fun those teams in March are having. I would love to see Utah back in that hunt in that race. And how does it, do they get to that point? It starts with building this roster back up because they just lost some guys in the transfer portal. And one of them being a surprise one last week after I'd recorded my Thursday show was Lazar Stefanovic. Was, or excuse me, Lazar Stefanovic. Uh, Stefanovic, I, they list Stefanovic as 6'7". That surprises me a little bit. He's much more 6'5", 6'6", at least when I feel like when I've talked to him, be the way the Serbian guard's been with the team for the last two years. He averaged 10.3 points per game this year, three rebounds, 2.7 assists, shot 37% from the field. Let's bookmark that 37% from the field. That's going to be important for something we're going to talk about. But Stefanovic was a great six man for this Utah team early on in the season, someone they could roll with. I mean, he was the, literally the six man too. Like a lot of times we hear like the six man roll and you think of that microwave score off the bench, but they're not always the first guy off the bench. Stefanovic truly was the first guy off the bench, and he's a guy they trusted to play making times and go get tough buckets. Will the team miss Stefanovic? Absolutely to me. Is this a guy who's irreplaceable? I don't believe so because, as we talked about, 37% from the field. And look, it, a lot of guys are less efficient in college, That, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't be trying to find guys that are more efficient. So will does Stefanovic's departure hurt? Yes. Was he probably going to have his best couple of years tall than he did last two years? Probably. But once again, it's not one that I'm like, this is devastating because I don't think this is a guy who, even if Brandon does stay and stay in the draft, I don't think he was going to end up leading Utah in scoring. I think it would have been Gabe Madsen or another transfer they were going to bring in. Stefanovic, just because he's not the most efficient about how he gets his buckets, he drives, takes those really tough step back or just mid-range jumpers, those 16-footers, fallaway shots. Like It's just coming off screens, hitting, shooting tough shots. Like He has a really hard shot selection. So when he's on, great, but it's not always on. So sometimes it gets... Very difficult. So once again, Stefanovic, a guy this team is going to miss, a guy who definitely provided some great highlights, memories, and moments inside the Huntsman over the last two seasons when things obviously haven't always been that way. But I think back to the UCLA game in 2021 and then some of the games he had this past season where he just had great performances to help this team get some gutsy wins. And we know how unfortunate the rest of the season ended for this Utah team, but Stefanovic was still a bright spot. So he will be missed. But once again, not a guy I think is impossible to replace. The transfer portal taketh away, but it also giveth. And Utah was able to get Lawson Lovering, transfer from Colorado coming over, and he has got some height. 7-1-2-25 overall. So in last season, didn't blow you away in terms of scoring. 4.9 points per game, 4.7 rebounds, 0.9 assists, 55% shooting. That's what you love to see from a big guy, especially because you know most of his shots are coming in the restricted area. So he better be shooting those high 50s overall. Look, one of the things that's nice about Lovering is the last time we saw him in the NIT, look, Colorado may have lost to Utah Valley, but how many points did he have? He had 21, 69% from the field, a block, two steals, and seven rebounds. And a lot of his other minutes on the season, if you look at like why his stats aren't as high, is he got, look, I should say, he paid a comparable amount of minutes, like 30 minutes, but you could see him start to really develop and grow over the second half of the season. You could see how he took advantage of those smaller opponents. These guys with two years of eligibility left, so I think there's a lot of upside when it comes to Lovering. I think this is a guy Chris Burgess obviously really wanted to get his hands on. This is Brandon Carlson insurance because Brandon Carlson did declare for the 2023 NBA draft, but he did declare so, but he hasn't officially hired an agent yet, so that's where it's kind of up in the air of like, is he going to officially go? Is he going to come back to school? I don't know what he's going to do. I'd be interested to see the kind of feedback he's get 
the NBA draft is loaded every single year. Look at the top. I was looking at a mock draft the other day, and it has the Zach Edies and the Oscar Toshibas of the world as like late second round picks or even going undrafted. Like it's it's going to be very hard for Brandon Carlson to get drafted. And look, maybe he is okay going undrafted as long as he gets a favorable undrafted free agent deal. And he might, but some things to remember with Brandon. I I love Brandon. He was sensational for this Utah team last year, but as his game projects to the NBA, I think a lot of teams are going to look and see the three-point percentage. Wasn't the same in the second half of the season. Now a lot of that was because of injuries and you had to force, but still, and there will be questions about how does that translate? Obviously, he's he's got a good length, seven foot, nice wingspan, but the size isn't always there. Some of the motor and the I should not motor, but athleticism isn't always there because we saw times like where Bona would beat him up and down the fort. Brandon earned first team all pack 12. He's a great college basketball player. I think there are questions though about what he'll do at the NBA level. I would love for him to prove me wrong, but I, I think there's definitely a chance we'll see Brandon back on this team. So it'll be interesting to see how that all works out now that he has declared and he gets that feedback. But if he does leave, I wish him nothing but the best and can't thank him enough for everything he's done at Utah. Brandon was actually my first interview with the men's basketball team. When he came back from his mission, I did a little story on him back with the, when I was in the department and that was something I, Really enjoyed getting to talk with him. Uh, couldn't have been a nicer or better guy, too. And obviously just a, a great guy and to be the face of this Utah basketball team for the past couple of years in terms of what he's done for the community and just being a positive force, a great representative and role model. So either way, and then it'll be, we'll hope Lawson Lovering can do the same thing as just another guy with a lot of size, length, who can give you that room protection on both ends of the floor and be a nice pass guy to look off inside and provide that size that you like to see. So I think it's nice that Utah was able to get a guy out of the portal and it'll be interesting to see what Lovering looks like this coming season. But there's a lot more news coming up when it comes to the transfer portal. We'll be interested to see where Stefanovic ends up. Brenchley's gone. Boston Holt's gone. Mike Saunders already found his new home. We'll see who the Utes are going to end up landing. There's a ton of guys they're interested in. So it's going to be something that's going to be fun to monitor all week long, or I should say weeks long, because the transfer portal is never a short process, as you guys know, whether it's football or basketball. So make sure you guys keep it here at Locked On Utes to see how the men's basketball team roster will be assembled through the transfer portal and hear more about Utah spring ball. We'll be recapping the second media availability for spring ball tomorrow. I just should say the media viewing portion where we get to see the practice. We will be recapping that on tomorrow's Locked On Utes. So we hope you join us then. As a reminder, though, if you are in the market for a second listen every day because we do so appreciate you making us your first listens every single day we recommend you check out the locked on college basketball podcast where hosts isaac shade and andy Patton bring everything you need to know on and off the court they talk with some of the biggest names in college basketball experts insiders coaches players and it's all leading up to the final four as we said earlier this is what it's all about this is the end of march the games are actually in the beginning of April themselves, so it's going to be great to see how it all plays out and what better place to get it called up on all the action than Locked On College Basketball. So make sure you guys check out that one. And as always, thank you for making Locked On Utes, and a big thank you again for helping us to reach 1,000 subscribers. Hope you all have a great Tuesday, and we'll see you tomorrow on Locked On Utes.